Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's made his lists and checked them twice, it's Arturo Zurita. I have checked them three times. I've been working more overtime than Santa Claus, that's for sure. But hey, I heard Santa was working extra for you. Someone got a gift. (laughs) (laughs) I gave that gift to myself. Thank you. Uh, But uh, we've also got someone who's home for the holidays, Amanda the Jedi. We're really happy to have her back for another best of Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me, despite what I'm sure is going to be some technical difficulties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Amanda's working with less than stellar internet this time around, but uh, we're going to brave through because we really want to talk about the movies and TV that brought us joy in this crazy year of 2020. Last year, 2020, we're recording this in 2020, but you all won't be seeing it until 2021. (laughs) We're still there. (laughs) We're still here. In a little bit, we will get into our favorite movies of 2020. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. That's at Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It makes me so happy. Shout out to Sebastian Blagard in Denmark. Mark for calling the podcast an amazing dive into entertainment writing this podcast gives you a great look into film festivals and for a movie aficionado such as myself it's the best one out there I I don't know man I agree thanks for being subscribed (laughs) I was like what are you gonna argue it (laughs) let's do it man let's get into the best movies of 2020 a very weird year to be a fan of movies a year where we did not see a lot of these the films in theaters some of them we did uh it started off we were all at sundance and got to see a lot of the movies that i think might even end up on our best of list but uh the year quickly took a turn and we ended up going mostly for streaming how do you guys feel the changes to movies in 2020 ended up affecting what you watched and maybe what you compiled for your end of year list amanda i know you Uh, felt differently about your list this year than you had in the past yeah I felt like last year especially I thought that there for me personally there was just so many like I felt really confident about my like top seven and then after that some things started getting a little bit more interchangeable but this year it's like I know which ones I want in my top five but I don't necessarily know what order I want to put them in. And then anything from there to like 25 is just like a toss up. So I'll probably be mentioning some things that I just know that you guys aren't going to mention because I just want to talk about them or they hit me in a different way that it might hit other people. Um, So, but yeah, if anybody's ever interested in my other top of, we we all have letterboxed accounts that we kind of go through all this stuff on. So, Yes, sir. Absolutely. Art, how did uh, 2020 affect you in movies? That ritual, that church that I go to every Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday, was gone. Uh, Obviously, it changes things. And uh, I still think it was a very interesting year in terms of how many more people were able to catch festival picks that never were before. And now you have a year where a lot uh, of people who may have not had the money to go to a Sundance, to go to anywhere else. You guys know the prices to all of that combined. 
you can get a whole pass from the comfort of your own home for less than the price of what it would have been the the round trip airfare. So I do like that ability to be able to catch things from home. It, it doesn't replace the experience, but I think a lot of people who have never had the chance to go to a park city, to go to a, uh, you know, Austin for South by or any of the other, any of these others, um, this is a great opportunity. I'm hoping that they push it so that. If you wanted to sell tickets to the public at a festival, I mean, we learned you can give press links. And I think we've also learned that um, the more voices you have out there, I think studios will learn when they want to manipulate who gets certain links. But I think the more voices that you have, the more word of mouth and the better chance that you have, because I feel we're competing more with people's attention now, especially in the Mm -hmm. age of streaming than we have. uh, This is the thing that's taking up seven theaters but uh there's still a lot of movies i don't let anyone trick you in saying that there hasn't been a lot of movies they just haven't seen enough that's right but they just haven't (laughs) seen enough and we got y'all right here we got a great list for y'all absolutely there has been a lot of stuff out there to watch and uh, it's been in different formats you know there's been the virtual theaters route and of course a lot of movies going to streaming this year i think because of the limited collective movie experiences we've gotten uh the lack of major blockbusters that were ultimately released Mm -hmm. in theaters i found myself maybe craving some more genre movies a little bit more than in years past whereas usually i feel like my best of lists are largely populated by dramas and uh more serious like filmmaking if that if that's what you want to call it this year I, i really sought out stuff that was comedic stuff that was action-packed stuff that had a sci-fi or horror element to it. And I think that was a little bit reflective in my uh, list uh, in a way that it hasn't been in years past. And maybe that's because, you know, we didn't have the experience of getting one one of those movies every weekend Mm -hmm. to go see in movie theaters. But uh, it's interesting to see what we have gotten. I think there's a lot of really interesting movies, a lot of movies that I liked quite a bit. Maybe not as many as I loved last year, but there's still so much to love about so many movies that came out this year. I know I have a long list of honorable mentions. I'm going to just go through a few here. Uh, Black Bear that we've talked about plenty of times on the show. Uh, Comes up short of my list. Uh, I have both Mangrove and Lover's Rock listed in my honorable mentions. I loved all of the Small Axe series, but I'm not putting any of them in my top ten here. Uh I got Sound of Metal, which we just dropped in after credits about recently. All three of us really liked mm-hmm. that movie in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. One Night in Miami, uh, the stunning uh, movie from Regina King that I, I honestly think I need to see again. Uh, and I might it might grow in my estimation. For but sure. I left that off. Uh, Gunda, the, the heart-wrenching black-and-white animal documentary that played the festival circuit uh, that might convert you into being a vegan. Didn't do that to me yet, but it's (laughs) it's really good, guys. It's really good. Maybe at arts uh, badgering, I left Nomadland off my top (laughs) ten. I want to see it again. I still have only seen it the once, but I I loved it the first time I saw it, so maybe I'll regret that choice. It's a good performance. It's a great movie. And then a couple of movies that I I loved from earlier this year, uh, Dick Johnson is Dead, The Five Bloods, and First Cow are movies that I think are excellent, and I've put them on top ten lists before. I'm just not going to do it here today. Amanda, what would you have off your list? 
<laughs> See now, because um, he was just like, you know, these were on some top 10 lists, and I'm just going to leave them off here today. I feel like my list is probably going to change. So I, there's a couple I am actually going to leave off right now, mostly because I've talked about them on this exact podcast two separate times. We're wheeling and dealing. Two separate times, and I've talked about them on my own channel, but... I'm going to leave off Big Time Adolescence, which I still think is a really great like comedy coming of age story. And it, it's one of those ones that hits really home for me and like just mm -hmm. personal experiences I had with like trying to look up to these like older kids who actually just got off on being looked up to by younger kids. And that made them feel cool. And then you grow up and you're like, wow, they were not cool because they wanted to hang out with 14 year olds so that's one for sure you had that at number one on your best of 2020 yeah, so absolutely. far list. and i think that ended up coming about because halfway through that list i was like oh my god that counts that's this year not last year because we saw it in 2019 <laughs> we running the numbers we went yeah. we went adolescence was this, this year because we saw it in 2019 mm -hmm. january so yeah. that one's still really good so, and i do mm -hmm. still love it uh, and then another one that's been very high on my list for these past two years to the stars um i mm. i really really right. liked uh, it was originally released in black and white it's sundance it's been colorized better. it's uh and it's better in black and white but it was still a really um kind of like beautiful story it does fall into some of the uh the negative tropes with uh, certain aspects of uh portrayal in terms of like age gap relationships and stuff but uh i i think that's one that's going to get left off a lot of people's lists and a lot of people's radar so uh look into to the stars see if it's something you might be into i've talked about it before on my channel big up. fan of that uh other than that some some ones that I, I think i liked a little bit more than some people but uh i think would be worth a watch uh the gentleman uh was one that came out right at the beginning like of 2019 i thought it was super fun guy Ritchie. i know a lot of people are like it's like if guy Ritchie was trying to be guy Ritchie, but it's i thought it was fun <laughs> i had a good time with it if you're into those kind of gangster flicks it's the i like the way they they wield the story with um it's it's hugh grant right I, yeah hugh grant Mm -hmm. um, I love the way they, wheel, they they wind up the story that way. I love the execution of it. Big fan. And then uh, uh, Devil All the Time. I know that that was kind of one that got mixed reviews oh, yeah. for Netflix, but it's one of those I ones like that it, one it stayed with me. Like the more, like I'm going to, I'm going to read the, good. I'm reading the book right now. So it's just one of those ones that really stayed with me. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I might take another look at it. So we bought it too. Hell yeah. So yeah, those are, uh, those are probably ones that are kind of like, almost there or just ones that i kind of wanted to just take a second to talk about there's probably a lot more but yeah we'll go with those for sure i agree with you dude uh that movie should have been longer yeah <laughs> like everyone's like, like it's they, long they but i'm like so you could go more and and after you're done with the book you're gonna see that yeah, we could do mini series, um but. for me right literally exactly mm -hmm. but he wanted to shoot it in film and i, I think it. that's one of the reasons why i like the movie but then at the yeah. same time it takes away a lot of the story because that's where all the budget went no i totally get um, it i have my you know, I have my good top 10 and I technically have a top five. I have these four that are right there trying to go in. But I want to give a shout out because usually the way that I uh, try to categorize everything is by um, categories, by genres. And <laughs> I didn't have a horror one that made it through this year. But, you know, shout outs to uh, Invisible Man that I thought did a great job mm -hmm. this year. Possessor mm -hmm. was one of my favorites from Out of Sundance. Yeah. And I just recently even saw this is more of a horror drama. But La Llorona, I think, was one of the top tier horrors. But again, this is a genre where we didn't get the Candyman we were supposed to get this year. A lot of the movies that may have garnered way more attention weren't released, like Zach said. Uh, and that goes also to the action sci-fis. I don't have any of these in my top 10. One is a miniseries. Um, but I ended up liking Tenet, even though I haven't fully officially seen Tenet. 
I did enjoy it. I liked what, what Mr. Nolan was doing there. Um, doesn't come up in the top either, but also a shout out to Sputnik. Uh, shout out to the Paper Tigers. Um, some of the action ones that were there. Some of the mystery thrillers that just didn't make my list would have been uh, A Good Woman is Hard to Find, mm. White Lie. I'm not going to mention some of the other ones because I believe <laughs> they'll be there as well. But Black Bear. Yep. Whether it have been my 15. Soul, Wolfwalkers, I'm thinking of ending things. Um, I'm missing one because it's technically a doc. And then it would be my top 10. So there were a lot of great movies this year. I have a couple honorable mentions as well, but I think they may be on your list. But this was a completely stacked year. Is 40-year-old version on any of your guys' lists? No. No. But they shot out forty year old version. That was that was my third favorite comedy of the year. There's two better yeah. ones. One's going to be on my list. The other one I'm not going to say because I think it's in uh, one of y'all's. Uh, the climb, the half of it. Like Ooh, this was climb. a great year for so many different movies that were out there. Uh, I'm not even going to get into my dramatic stuff because we're going to have this discussion right now. But a lot of stuff. Um, and also the special tour award that we give. <laughs> To Josephine Decker for Shirley, which was one of the one of the great one of the great movies that came out and one of the best performances of the year as well. Which I know we could also yeah, split. And congrats up. to Josephine Dicker on winning the uh, special auteur congrats. award. It's I not mean, an award that we give out, you know, lightly. It's, it's something we take very seriously here at Intercut. <laughs> we stayed up late um, discussing that one, but uh, nonetheless, I was able to compile, and I think we all got our top ten. This is the top ten that are our favorites. I'm not saying they got to be your favorites. What I'm saying is if I was stuck in an island and I had a 4K theater for whatever reason that could stream stuff, these would be the 10 that I would buy for sure. I've thought it over and over through all of these movies. There's so many movies I love, but these are the 10 I would take. Who's starting it off? You sound pretty confident. I I think you should go ahead and take us off. I have looked at this list over and over and over again. And Regina King killed it with One Night in Miami, my number 10 pick. It kept fighting there with another little drama uh, <laughs> by a Kelly Reichardt that kept coming in and in. Uh, but at the end of the day, One Night in Miami still found its spot right there. My number 10, I thought she killed it with the direction of a you know stage adaptation with Kemp Powers also being, uh, I believe, a writer with the movie. Kemp Powers also co-directed Soul, so that man has been on a roll. But it's just the performances that she captures here. I know to a, a lot of people it may feel like it's all taking place in one place, but I love that bottle film uh, style of it mm-hmm. and where you got four super iconic figures sparring they're just going back and forth at each other ideologically just as friends there's some really funny quips um but the performances this is the best ensemble cast in my opinion yes and you can't have a best ensemble cast i believe without having a great director who is able to interweave the entire movie. I I really like this movie. I think, Zach, it will go up on your list because the, one of the reasons why it's really high on my list is because of the discussions I had with you um, and the way she pays a lot of homages to uh, a lot of the iconography during that time. I absolutely love this movie. I kept arguing with Alina because she didn't like it as much, and I went, nah, I did. <laughs> King Regina. Or they call her uh, Queen Regina. That's what that's what they were calling her. Um, fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. And it's going to be available on Amazon Prime. One night in Miami. Yeah, uh, it's, it'll be available, I believe, January 15th. So I'm really excited to revisit that one because it is such an interesting movie. And uh, I think in on one of the LME live streams we did, somebody asked us a question about whether or not a movie sticks to history, uh, whether or not if a movie doesn't stick to history, if that 
is something we take away from it. And I think this is a great example of how you can use mm. uh, history and not necessarily something that actually happened, but the idea of something to speak to a greater idea. You know, he Kemp Powers is imagining this world in which these people, uh, the, these iconic figures got to collide and exchange philosophical views on this one night in Miami. And it just puts their legacies in contrast to one another in a way that I don't know if you could get if you were sticking to the real truth. So I like when you can use history in mm -hmm. this way to to speak maybe to a greater truth. And it is such an interesting movie. Uh, I'm eager, as I said, to revisit it once I get the chance to. Kingsley was your favorite, right? Oh, uh, man, it's hard to it's pick hard. a performance. But yeah, See Kingsley I mean? Benadire is amazing in this one. Yeah, I, I feel like... You know, if one or two performances are good, you can credit the writing or maybe the acting. But if you got like four top-notch performances, Leslie you got Odom. a director Still who's really put them oh. in that position. Yeah, and Aldous Hodges, Eli Gore. All right, what you like? <laughs> what, what, what do you guys have number ten? Amanda, you want to go next? Sure. Okay, so this is one sure. I know that won't be on your guys' list, but uh, I just felt like it. Uh, it spoke to me in in this internet age, and I'm going with Spree. Spree, the Ooh, Joe Keery yeah. crazy movie about trying to find relevance in an online world when you are just not the type of person who can do that and the obsession that you can get. It's just this crazy off the wall not found footage, but he's basically a, a spree is an app like Uber and he's going around. He's got cameras set up everywhere. And it just starts off as like, yeah, this is how I'm going to like, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. We're going to make some some money. And uh, it's just going to show you that we're going to make YouTube videos. It's going to be great. And then it just gets very sinister very quickly. And it's just this whole comparison to how mm -hmm. far people will go in the Internet age for yep. relevance. Um, and uh, I just really I always have such a good time watching it. I love the fact that they created a cringe compilation for Joe Keery to watch that of literally the worst people they could find on YouTube literally went out of their way to being like, these are the people who act like they have a million subscribers when they have none. And I just, I need to know, I need to see the video just for my own personal. <laughs> I just want to know who's on the list. But yeah, uh, no, it's it's wild. Uh, I think that it really did something interesting in terms of how it was filmed and how it was put together. It premiered in the next category at Sundance, which is typically four things that do you know, special editing and special filming just kind of outside the box. Searching was a next. Searching was also a next. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So stuff like that. Um, I thought it was super fun. It's available now and you should definitely check it out. So my number 10. And Amanda has a great yes. video. She did a great breakdown of it. Thank you. Because this is becoming a genre in and of itself. It is. Yeah. And influencers. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. influencer, killing themselves. Influencers <laughs> like just, and I, I do like the ending too. I will say that in, in this grand scheme of things, you end up with a lot of these movies that by the end seem like they're glorifying these people's behavior, whether they mean to or not. Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen here. It, it shows you how the nope. internet starts taking mm -hmm. it after the fact. But uh, in terms of the person himself. Yeah. Either way. Super fun. Super fun. Yeah, it's it's a movie that really is speaking to uh, part of culture and internet culture that I don't know if it's been explored in film in this way. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciate that about Spree. And I really also think that the way that the film is able to embrace modern technologies, whether that's streaming or uh you know, interact how people interact through rideshare apps and use it in a dramatic way is 
something that's totally in that movie's yep. credit. One of the more interesting uh, genre pieces that we got in 2020, for Absolutely. sure. Okay, so from one portrait of a forgotten man <laughs> to a portrait of many forgotten people, uh, my number 10 choice is Bloody Nose, nice. Empty Pockets Ooh, from nice. the Ross Brothers. Nice. A movie that was in Sundance in the documentary category, even though we've since learned that is not so much a documentary. It's this amazing film that takes place at a Las Vegas dive bar in the last 24 hours of that dive bar's being open. And it shows you the comings and goings of the different bartenders and bar patrons uh, and gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the the lives of these people who are have gathered in this place, like off the beaten path, uh, congregated because they are largely not successful enough to be in a better place. You know, it's a collection of uh, war veterans and failed actors and drunks. And I, I think it's just a really beautiful glimpse at the the disparity of people we have in America that we oftentimes don't consider when we talk about this country. I, I think it speaks to so in so many ways to the American condition. It's so smart and so acutely observed. It fooled the people at Sundance into thinking it's a documentary because it really has this authentic feel because he casts a lot of non-actors or the brothers cast a lot of non-actors and kind of just let the cameras roll for a lot of this. I loved how this movie feels. I I have thought about it so many times, especially that ending, which is just devastating and cuts to the heart of it. I don't know, man. This is a this is a great movie, and it stuck with me throughout 2020. Agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Chloe, what the work that Chloe Zhao's doing with uh, the mixing of non-actors with real actors mm-hmm. in Nomadland, with what they're doing here, there's going to be a new genre of filmmaking that I think is just going to take the store. Because I mean, Fincher says it all the time. He's not trying to see a performance. He's trying. <laughs> he's tiring them out so he gets something raw and authentic. Mm-hmm. These are directors who are cutting to that chase immediately. I I, I kept mm-hmm. looking at one of the actors and I was like, why do I feel like I know you? But at <laughs> no point did I question it. I'm reading the press notes once yeah. it's done and I text Zach, Zach, was I duped? <laughs> uh, we have a great <laughs> interview with them where they also broke down how they were able to um, help on on Wendy, one of uh, Zach's other uh, <laughs> films from Sundance that he got to catch. Um, <laughs> and they it. have a great documentary <laughs> that will never be released because these are gentlemen who capture the rawest of emotions and that comes down to even mm-hmm. making a studio film and sometimes the studio goes, nope. But uh, I highly recommend this one. <laughs> this one's available out of VOD. Yeah, absolutely. One of the underrated gems of 2020 that's worth catching up on. Art. Do you have another underrated gem at number nine? How'd you know, Zach? Um, There's a little movie that not a lot of people were able to see, but I got to catch at a little festival called Schliff. This is Schliff. I think it's, I'm not saying that it's better than the Charlie Kaufman film, but Mm. I enjoyed it more than the Charlie Kaufman film. The Charlie Kaufman film would still be purchased. It's top 15. But Beast Clawing at Straws, Zach, is one of the best thrillers I've seen in a long time. I don't know how else to pitch it other than this. My fiance's father sat down and watched the entirety of this movie subtitled At the Edge of His Seat. Oh, wow. What'd Bong say? (laughs) Those subtitles mean nothing. mean nothing. This thing is one of the best thrillers of the year. It is out on demand. 
There's nothing else I can pitch it other than someone may find a bag, someone may have lost a bag, someone may have found a body. Catch it as soon mm-hmm. as you can. My number nine, uh, one of the best thrillers of the year, Beast Clawing at Straws. Why didn't you? Why weren't you in my DMs with that? We talk about <laughs> it on the streams. But I gotta hit you with I'm it. Busy. I'm gonna send you a copy. <laughs> 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 You're definitely going to have to catch up with this one. Uh, it's really, really wow. cool. The debut from Kim Young-hoon. You know, I think there's a couple really interesting decisions they make with the linearity of this film that is just like an expert filmmaking move. And whereas the first 45 minutes, it's doing a lot of like setting up. Once you start to see the dominoes fall in this movie, it's such a pleasure. Oh. I really dug this one. I'm, I'm hoping more people get to catch up with Beast I had to surprise you, Amanda. <laughs> You're going to watch it this week. I'm probably going to watch it like right after we finish this by the sounds of it. She's Jeez. watching it right now. We can't see your camera. It's She's true. I could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, I highly recommend this one. I, what yeah. do you got, Amanda? Amanda, what do you got for us at number All nine? Right. Uh, this is definitely one of those ones that probably could have been an honorable mention. But since I just bopped a couple of things off, I'm just going into like how much personal enjoyment and how much I enjoyed the discourse around this movie. It's happiest season. It's happiest season. The... The, the the gay rom-com starring uh Kristen Stewart Mackenzie Davis with a surprise surprise appearance by oh my god Aubrey Plaza had a moment there Aubrey Plaza and it was just <laughs> I didn't know she was gonna be in it and when she is there I was like oh my god this movie just increased itself to that next level it's not a perfect movie it falls into a lot of like the trope issues of like like the coming out stories that people are just kind of like, eh. But it's like mm-hmm. there's been hundreds, maybe even thousands of these basic rom-com holiday movies. And like, we just want a couple. We just want a couple. And to, to have it star <laughs> Kristen Stewart is just great. So I don't know. It was super fun. It became a whole thing on Twitter. If you loved it, if you hated it, it was just this phenomenon of like Team Riley's or here's how we make it better and just things like that. I don't know. It was super fun to be involved with. I had a great time talking about it. So sure. Happy season number nine. I'm pleased. What team are you? What team? I, Okay. I'm always team therapy is what I said when I was filming it, basically, that I was team <laughs> therapy. But I think that, yeah, obviously they did not do the best with Mackenzie Davis's character. It was really hard. I think they needed to show more was, early on with their relationship to really understand mm-hmm. why it would be worth putting up with this behavior because just throwing us in there like that, I'm like, this is horrible. And I get that that's a difficult thing to do, but don't put your significant other in that situation maybe. But uh, I just love Aubrey Plaza, so I'm team Riley. But <laughs> No one's losing here. All the teams are good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was not like a huge mm-hmm. fan of it, but I think the thing that I would absolutely give in this film's credit and that is undeniable is just the, the genuine mm-hmm. chemistry and, and charisma of this yeah. cast. Like they're, they're all really interesting to watch and fun performers and just any scene where Kristen Stewart and Aubrey <laughs> Plaza were together it is extremely yeah, watchable know. for a variety of reasons <laughs> so I yeah it, i can't argue with this choice too much even if it wasn't my favorite movie but if you're gonna choose something that i didn't love at number nine i think i gotta choose something that you didn't love oh, at number goody. nine my number nine film of 2020 is tenant <laughs> 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 tenant is not a perfect movie Tell the quote. <laughs> you don't have to understand it just try to feel oh it, my God. Amanda. Don't no, try to No, I do understand it. it because the whole movie is exposition, Zach. 
<laughs> she did feel it. That's all she felt. She couldn't even hear. She was the only one in the theater. Tenet is not a perfect movie. I think I think we all can agree on this. And I admit that I spent the first maybe 45 to an hour of this Same, movie being bro. like, what is happening? I'm not yes. following and I don't get the mission here. But there is something about a Christopher Nolan movie where when he puts the pieces in place, he gives you these set pieces that you don't cannot get anywhere else and there's a moment where things came together for lack of wanting to completely spoil it in this movie that i was just in awe of and i completely gave myself away to this movie i (laughs) i forgave it for all its flaws and i just wanted to enter the time pincer movement with nolan and his crew uh the temporal pincer movement or whatever i don't this it's a movie that I still, like, cannot explain to you half of the reason for the things that happen, but it was so electric and exciting. I, I got to give it up to Nolan, man. There's, there's a reason that he gets to make these kinds of movies, and it gave me the uh, a unique pleasure this year in a year where we didn't get a lot of these high-budget action blockbusters. Fair. I think, okay, I think it would have been a really good miniseries. I think that that's another one that if they had been able to flesh out the ideas more in a miniseries, I don't know, get some good audio mixing in there, could have been great. But it's just like, yeah, that first 45 (laughs) minutes is just, it honestly feels like a bunch of exposition MacGuffin missions. Y'all are saying 45. It was an hour 12, all right? I like the movie, but I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I'm there for an hour 12 going, what? A not- insignificant percentage of my enjoyment of this movie came from the fact that I was able to watch it with subtitles. I can admit That's what I said. I've never wanted subtitles more in my life because there's just certain moments where they're wearing the elevation mask things and I'm like, excuse me, what? (laughs) And then the dialogue I could understand was like horrible. And my son, just like little things that I'm like, we of course, Jesus. Anyways, it's fine. Our patch was great. John David Washington is so badass in this movie. It's like a high-tech Bond film that Christopher Nolan didn't get asked to make. Mm -hmm. I like this one He talked about in the behind the scenes how he was like, he just let John David do what he needed to do. He's like, yeah, JD just, uh, he came in and did his his thing. Yeah, he was able to get all of the classics to come in. You know, Michael Caine was sitting down in a chair because they say that's the way Michael Caine films now. He's like, (laughs) Sir Michael. You're gonna, yeah, Sir Michael. He said you're gonna come to me. We're gonna be sitting the whole scene. That's what's gonna happen. Um, yeah, look, it's not it's not the best Nolan film, but it's still Nolan being Nolan. Everything that you see on screen, he's blowing up a plane. If you're seeing a plane, it's the actual plane getting blown up. The biggest mm-hmm. thing for me was I was like, ah, does this man just hit rewind? Then I catch the behind the scenes, which I told Zach catch it. It's an hour twelve. Ironically, oh <laughs> it's an hour twelve as well. <laughs> he tells you he had them choreograph the scenes in reverse. I was like. Nolan, like <laughs> Nolan, what are you doing? I do definitely why? need to see it again. I definitely do need to watch it, like at home, where I can turn on the subtitles, subtitles? and just yeah. enjoy it. Like it, because I did get to see it in theaters. Because again, I live in an area where the, at the time there and was I no want cases, to. and I got to I wore a mask and I didn't touch anything. It was fine, but you were in there like JD. Yeah, exactly. The- I was like relatable. I feel this. It was just like a couple things took it like to this level. <laughs> it was so cartoonish. I didn't hate it. Like I, I, I think I gave it a three out of five on Letterboxd. Like that's not a terrible rating. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. That's fair. Nah, that's it. a that's a really fair rating. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about it like I think it's like a two, but like I'm like no, this is average. <laughs> 
Tenant is just a movie that gets kind well, of because it was supposed to save theaters. Yeah, it gets trapped in the discourse, right? Like it becomes this political football, or like it becomes the movie where you express how worried you are about coronavirus yeah. for some yeah. reason. Did it's it like kill it's theaters just a movie at the end of, of the HBO day. Max, you, you know, all these it. different things that came with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you had it that high. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I I really did. Art, what was your number eight? Uh, a little independent movie that was able to hit the number one this year during the drive-in box office that we had. No one was paying attention to the box office numbers. Those are still numbers. And I thought it was interesting to see some people play it. Some people were able to dupe it, the system, and go buy out drive-in theaters for the little small mm-hmm. movies that they made so they could say they were number one. Uh, that was cute. But, but there was a movie that well deserved it called Swallow. Uh, drama mystery thriller it's described as all three i absolutely enjoyed um this film uh, that covers a a housewife who starts swallowing objects that may or may not hurt her <laughs> and it develops into something just bigger i absolutely i this was one of the movies as soon as it ended I played it again. Uh, something with it just mm-hmm. stuck with me. Uh, I made a whole video on it, so I have all my thoughts over there to get into the spoilery stuff. But I really enjoyed this film. It's been a blast seeing other people catch it here and there. Some people squirm because they just can't deal with <laughs> it. Uh, I think it's very effectively directed, and it's a very personal film for the director as well. Um, and I like the behind the scenes that he talked about how it was influenced by his grandmother and the stuff that she went through. Um, and yeah, I just I, I really like how it ends. I like the performances in it. Um, shout out Swallow. Highly recommend it. Made it all the way to my my end of the year. Yeah, I mean, talk about really effective filmmaking. You know, something that helps me get through like a horror movie is I remind myself that it's fake and it's filmmaking, right? They're 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 props and stuff. But with this, it's they're getting you to that squirm, uncomfortable feeling just with like the sound of a gulp, you know, and and. Very good. It's, it's just masterful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shout out Haley Bennett because everyone's always saying hey, that's all the the comments I got in the video. Is that Katniss? Is that Katniss? Is that Katniss Haley Bennett. I can't wait for her to get more roles. I think um, she is a star. She's a star. She just looks a lot like Jennifer Lawrence, and a lot of people confuse her. But nah, she is a star. She did super good. Like it was, it was totally just her the just the timidness of her like character throughout the whole movie and how like subdued she is and you think everything's kind of mm-hmm. like maybe okay at first and then you see that next level of what's really going on uh and why it kind of leads her to do the things that she's doing it's just yeah it was really great <sighs> yeah. it's great it's good and she did a great job at devil all the time as well she was in she that movie did. for a little bit uh, i thought she was one job. of the better parts of hill right yeah one of the better jobs uh, in Hillbilly Elegy as well. So I, I thought she had a yeah, decent Yeah, the only year. performance that I didn't think was like you know, over the top in Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, Haley had a good year. She had a great year, and I think Swallow was her best. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Amanda, what do you have at number eight? Uh, are we in eight or seven? No, we're eight. My bad. Sorry. Eight. Okay. Okay. So my eight, again, I, this is actually probably where I would have put devil all the time, but I already talked about it. So we're going to swap in for a genre flick. We're going to, I'm going to talk about Wolf of Snow Hollow a little bit. I know that Art didn't love this, Ooh, but I, oh, cool. I don't know. There's certain horror comedies that just hit me in a certain way. It's probably why I really like Spree too, but uh, it's by um, Jim Cummings, the same guy who did uh, Thunder Road. Uh, so if you liked the comedy in Thunder Road, you'll kind of be in for something similar, but this takes on a very different 
side of that where he is a police officer again but in a mountain town where it seems <laughs> like yeah it's like the, this is a very different story but he's still a police officer uh but he's in a mountain police ta- officer yeah police officer in a mountain town where the entire city is getting super paranoid that something is kind of killing people because these bodies keep showing up dead in these super grotesque ways and it's always over the course of the full moon so the whole city's in this like paranoid stupor while he's just kind of like no this is this is a man this has to just be a person and it's just again showing his downfall as this whole story progresses out um i just think they did a really good job with I really like it when you can do horror comedy and like both aspects come out strong. If I'm laughing and if I can genuinely feel that like tension and the horror and just kind of like the the gruesomeness of it without it going too far or too little in any direction, I think it, for me, it really came together well there. I love the performances. Uh, Jim Cummings, again, just acts, directs, writes. That's just kind of his thing. He he does he does it really well. He does it really well, and he's got a a a particular style of comedy that I just am a fan of, and some people might not be. But if you're a fan of horror comedies or horror in general, I would definitely give Wolf of Snow Hollow a check, a watch. I'm always a big fan of Jim Cummings and the stuff that he does. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking at my rating. I don't think I'd change it, but it is pretty harsh. But I guess when I added it, I'm like, oh, that's a five out of ten. This movie is expensive to rent, dude. When I rented it, it was so expensive. Even to purchase right now, guess how much the DVD is? Is it like $19? $23. $35 for the Blu-ray. It's like, I don't know if this is a shift in independent filmmaking where they don't have the means of something else. But I was like, I guess the price point is what took me a little bit away from it. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I prefer Thunder Road a little bit more That's to fair. this one, but he still keeps that same comedic side of it. I'm looking forward to rewatching this one. I, I just don't want to rent it for the same No, that's totally again. fair. That's yeah. totally fair. It is interesting the way that the new economic landscape of films that's has maybe shifted mm. how we interact with mm. some of these movies. You know, I think we've talked maybe off the podcast a little bit about how you know, do you really want to spend the $20 to rent Ammonite if no. you're not going to get that much pleasure out of a movie like Ammonite? And they've already dropped that Amanda, one they cut the price to okay. nine ninety nine for Ammonite. I just want to say, you guys know how much I talk. I, I love oh, we know. the gays. I love the lesbian stories. You put Happiest Season my happiest on your in my best top of 2020 list. 2020. We all know it's not top 10 2020. What is, maybe it is. It's fine. <laughs> and don't watch Ammonite. Just don't waste your money. Wait till it's on a streaming service. I'm sorry. I love you, Sersha, but no. <laughs> Y'all know I watch everything, and we were excited for this when this was, was announced at yeah, Sundance. Yeah, we were hoping it was going to be the secret show. We were, like, getting those secret show tickets. Hoping. It wasn't even filmed yet. Yeah, yeah we were sitting there like, I can't wait to see this. But it's because of you two that I literally, I watch everything. I reserved this one. I did not watch it. So, yeah, you know, Zach's right. You get to this point where it's like not everything is going to be a 1999 rental. Not everyone's going to go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, even to purchase, it's like these are very, very steep prices just to own so i'm very curious to see if this is going to affect just physical media releases in general and how streaming services are going to come up and try to swoop things up but uh he in particular is someone that i'm looking at because he runs all his stuff like that is his mantra um and i always respect that even if i don't like the movie as much as his previous one uh, i like his, his style totally 
My number eight film of 2020 is The Vast of Night, the Andrew Peterson mystery sci-fi thriller. I saw this one late, but really, really dug it. I think the thing that is obvious when you watch this movie is you're in the hands of a director who really knows what he wants to show you. And the movie jerks you around a lot. There, It shifts from these walk-and-talk um these back and forth crackerjack dialogue walk and talks to these long tracking shots to these standstill monologues to entire sections that are done without visuals on the screen but i think it pulls you in and wraps you up in the mystery and really gives you the feeling of think of hearing something's out there of feeling a presence but not knowing what it is. I loved getting pulled in by this movie, and I'm really impressed by uh, Andrew Patterson as a filmmaker. I, I'm sure he's going to be given some huge budget, but I hope he gets to make more movies like this, because I, I think he did a lot with a little here, and I, I I love that eye. So, The Vast of Night, please check this one out. It's on Amazon Still Prime. haven't had a chance Very good filmmaking, e- even if it wasn't. Oh, you haven't had a chance? No, I haven't had a chance. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I've just, there's so many things on the list that I was trying to get to that I was just trying to go for the ones I thought I would like the yeah, most. Always growing. Probably should have gone for some of these, like, maybe off the wall, kind of more polarizing ones. Yeah, you got to split the difference between us because I, I liked it a lot. Art was not as high Sometimes on it. Sometimes I... So got to be the yeah. deciding <laughs> vote. But I will sell it. I, I do like the idea that he covers and where it's able to tell this UFO story from the perspective of... How do you ignore certain people who may have seen these objects, especially when the movie takes place in the time period that it takes place in? That really clicked me on the second nice. watch. Um, but I can't wait to rewatch it as a podcast <laughs> again in the future. <laughs> it's a good pick. I'm, I'm very curious to see what people think. And like you said, it's on Amazon Prime, so you can catch well, yeah. it. Definitely. Art, you're number seven. <sighs> Zach, I woke up in the middle of the night and I told you, I forgot a movie. <laughs> and it rearrange everything. First cow. First Kelly cow. Reichert. First Cow. Go watch First Cow. We're, we're going to have a video. I'm not going to say anything more. Mm-hmm. I love First Cow. We recommended this, and some people said, why? Let us explain in a little bit. <laughs> I will just put it that <laughs> way. It has been a Kelly Reichardt year for me. Mm-hmm. I, I've just dug into all of her movies. This is a director I wish I was following much sooner. Hey, better late mm-hmm. than never. We have full spoiler thoughts on this film. I absolutely loved this film. First Cow. You could talk about yeah, it. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I mean, like, I don't want to do, get too much into it because we will put out uh, that. Let us explain at some point. But uh, I think the movie says so lot, says so much without mm-hmm. saying it explicitly. You know, it infers so much, and there's so much context behind the action in this movie, and the way that she's able to elicit that through these really naturalistic performances that get at these little moments that may not seem cinematic, but she makes them somehow. Yes. So much to be impressed by in this movie. No stories thing, because we are saving that. I will just say this, because I think a lot of people are watching it, and they're like, oh, this is boring. Mm-hmm. I am one, and Zach knows this, who hates. Um, I, she even has a name for it. Shots that just linger mm-hmm. and don't seem to just do anything. <laughs> you may feel this movie has that. I am telling you, I promise you, that there is something to it all. And uh, mm-hmm. I felt it. And, and yeah, that's why we, we got a video in the works for it. But I absolutely adore this film. Went back and watched all of her stuff. Listened to all of her interviews. She is a G. <laughs> Give her more money. Give her a bigger budget. <laughs> is First Kyle your favorite Kelly record movie now that you've gone back? I really like the Wendy one. Really Wendy like and Lucy the, is so good. Wendy and Lucy is that good. might no be mine too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that one was really good. 
I think first cause just dope just because the conversation you and I had back and forth. Your tweet about us being outside. <laughs> I saw that. I saw um, that. No, she she's a master filmmaker, dude. Like I don't know how else to put it. She's just she is fantastic. I thought never rarely had some great direction and just uh, restraint. Mm-hmm. There goes Kelly. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. And shout out Never Rarely. Yeah. That's a fantastic movie. I hope it gets brought up soon. But First Cow. That's my number seven. Nice. Absolutely. All right, Amanda. What uh, you got My number seven is actually a kind of recent release. Uh, wonder, no, um, it's, it's Soul. I was, can't even joke about that. <laughs> oh, I was... uh, I'm going Soul. I hadn't actually watched... Nice. Very and cool. I know that there's a bunch I need to catch up on, but for whatever reason, I just had not watched an animated movie since Spider-Verse was in theaters. Not, yeah, wow. like I rewatched other ones, but I like I still need to see Wolfwalkers. There's a couple of other ones I need to catch up with. I think you'll like it. I think I will too. Um, but yeah, I just, I got that link from Disney for Soul. So I was like, sure, it comes out tomorrow, but why not? So I watched it <laughs> and I am just a huge fan of these I'm just calling them like give a shit movies. Like it's not necessarily how you want to describe soul, but it's just kind of like there, there's so much to care about in life. And I think that so many people, uh, even mm-hmm. myself in the past, you just get obsessed with the, this idea that you're born with a purpose. And if you like something, that's your purpose. And that's the only thing you can do. And if you don't get it, you're a failure and your life doesn't mean anything. But that's not true because like people have more than one purpose. And you don't even need to have a purpose because life mm-hmm. is just about living. And you can have such a huge impact on the people around you without ever even realizing that you've done it. And if you stop and think about that like that is beautiful so soul was like a really just beautiful experience to me as it like wound into its ending i thought it was really great and i I love the fact that like the the main character is so blatantly learning that as um you know the 22 character is learning it so this is i've seen this described a lot as Mm -hmm. like the pixar movie for adults and not necessarily for your kids um and i might i might agree with that i think it's definitely worth watching even if you're an adult and you think you're too good for animated movies or if you feel like you've just moved past your pixar days i think this is probably one of the best things pixar has done in uh, a very long time though i haven't seen onward yet but yeah i think this is probably the best thing they've done maybe in like 10 years but i would agree with you there yeah this is like stop and smell the flowers the movie right yeah Yeah, it's just y'all y'all about to have me crying again for so damn bro what (laughs) Uh, yeah it's it's fantastic absolutely there's a classic screenwriting thing about there your character has to have a want Mm -hmm. and a need and the want should be different than the need and i think uh, the journey that we get through in Soul is like a perfect encapsulation of that idea that maybe what the character wants isn't what they need. Uh, and, you know, it's something that maybe we all yeah. could use a lesson on yeah. in our real Especially, lives. Yeah. Uh, I do also find we kind of live in an age where it's it's nihilistic jokes are up there. I make a lot of them too, but so many people, it's just fun to make depression jokes. It's fun to people make jokes about how they want to die. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, there's a lot of really horrible things out there, but the world is also a really beautiful place and it would suck to just miss that because you're just so set on missing it, you know? So I like anything that tries mm-hmm. to encourage people not to do that. Totally. There was a great quote by Viola Davis, because I had just seen Ma Rainey mm-hmm. before the movie, and then I see the movie, and it literally, it was what she had just <laughs> said. There's a difference between having a goal and having a purpose. Yeah. And then I watched So, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is the feature film of that quote <laughs> yeah. right there. Um, yeah, highly recommend it as well. 
So from probably the most family-friendly pick on any of our lists to the <laughs> least family-friendly pick, my number seven is Borat yes. subsequent movie Are films. Are you even so wholesome? Uh, <laughs> it's a family film. Look, father daughter it, yeah it totally yeah it's it's got that wonderful story of a of father daughter bond and going on a journey together it's like a road <laughs> yeah, trip movie right yeah. borat doesn't need to be explained or or introduced does he it's this iconic singular character and nobody is making this type of comedy in the way that sasha baron cohen does and to me i think the uniqueness of this the singularity of his talent is something that i i wanted to celebrate and wanted to appreciate because you know there's a lot of movies we may get in a year but we are not getting another movie like borat in quite some time and i think the way that he's able to interweave this vulgar prank comedy with these deeper ideas about uh, American like racism or prejudice Mm -hmm. or unwillingness to acknowledge the evil that lurks within us is so clever. I just am in awe of his ability to, to handle both. And this movie not only has him doing those performances, but it's got Maria Bakalova in, an amazingly comedic performance, just keeping up with him going toe to toe in on every comedic level. I enjoyed this one so much and I thought about it so much it's sticking with me so i it it earned a spot on my top 10 list even though i did not have it ranked very highly when i first saw it but i couldn't get this movie off my mind so it's grown a lot in my estimation and yeah i'm happy that i have it at number seven dope i'm really hoping she wins that globe and i'm hoping four at three takes place online like he got into (laughs) that stuff about misinformation we know how sasha is as well that'd be dope and in time hey uh uh borat three in the next category, all on screens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just him online trying to do stuff. But yeah. Yeah, that was a mix between searching yeah, and Borat. Amazing. Searching for Borat. Searching for Borat. <laughs> all right, all right. Ooh. What's your number six? I saw a buttload of documentaries this year, guys. So many. Some of my favorites will end up in our series list because they are miniseries but there's one documentary that i saw at the beginning of the year that has survived all the way up to the end it was my favorite um of the fest at sundance the narrative ended up being a little bit higher but out of dick johnson is dead which is fantastic whirly bird which also played at sundance a cost of my home is some of the most beautiful cinematography i've seen like, like that movie can be seen in silence and you could just follow along with what's going on finding yinging broke me Welcome to Chechnya, one of the best, um, and Cane Fire, probably a little tiny one that not a lot of people have seen, but I hope they get the chance to. But on Apple TV, you can watch Boy State right now. And this was one of the best just first watch experiences because I always talk about watching things with press. I'm, we're blessed, privileged, (laughs) all of it to be in there with the press lines, to be able to have access. But damn, they're boring, bro. Yeah. Like, they are so boring. There's no energy in there. I'm not asking for the midnight rars <laughs> that they do uh, for no, the late show. Something and other a little than bit the of energy. Scrolling. <laughs> Y'all know what, you know what I'm talking about. Amanda Spencer. Yeah, we sit, we sit together for a lot of screenings. She knows what I'm talking about. Man, I had a connection with everybody there in that screening. We stayed through the credits. We looked at each other like we just sat through an experience. Um, and I absolutely loved Boy State. Just the way that they were able to break down the documentary and who they were following from this actual, uh, what would you call it? Like camp? Political camp that they have down in Texas? It's like weird. It's like, it's like Model UN, but it's literally just building an entire But for politics. American yes, politics. Yes, it's horrifying, Zach. <laughs> like, it's all- 
It really <laughs> is American politics just being reenacted yeah. through these kids Scary. and seeing what will always happen. We've gotten a lot of political films throughout this year, but I think this is one of the best ones because you're just seeing it from these boys who just, they want to be like kind of, but they also, some of them want to do the right thing and some of them are willing to do anything to be able to win. Mm -hmm. I found it fascinating. They say they're working on a girl state because that is also a camp that they have down there in Texas. Um, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend it. It has stuck with me. Shout out Renee. Uh, I'm I'm willing to fund you whenever you start. (laughs) Uh, You know, Art, I kind of think we should host a podcast together. We're completely in line. I have boy state number six also. Uh, This is a great documentary in every sense that you would want one to be. I think it's a, a riveting story where you just get brought into this election, even if it's like a, a faux election at this camp, and you're, you really want to find out the outcome, but you also get introduced to these characters, and mm-hmm. they're these deeply diverse, interesting people who so have good. these differing political philosophies, and how they handle the situation is different, and it the way that it speaks to a larger idea, and how it reflects the frustrations we have with our own political process i just think this documentary works on so many levels it's so well done Mm -hmm. so well made shouts out to amanda mcbain and jesse moss they killed it Mm -hmm. excellent documentarians and again i'll use this as a chance to shout out jesse moss's previous documentary the overnighters which stunning as well so yeah look i'm gonna watch any documentary these two make because they they're killing it right now 100 percent. yeah i love boy um, state like this so yeah you got boy yeah. state at six i got boy state at six amanda i know you like boy state a lot as well it, it's uh it's <laughs> terrifying it. put it at six it's, yeah it's not my number six but it is ta- it was terrifying it was kind of terrifying like especially <laughs> yep. like as a as a canadian and and watching in and like there's people just they'll go off and like honestly some of what scared me the most was when i just kind of looked up a couple of them after the fact and it's like what you were fighting for isn't even remotely close to what you believe in or what you how you act in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, why were you being a mini Ben Shapiro? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, it's it's kind of wild. <laughs> it's what but... happens when you're with a bunch of people? Yeah, they influence exactly. You. Uh, it was wild, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth the time. It's not something I thought I would have been interested in, but like, it really just grips yeah. you from the beginning. Yeah. Shout out feels good, man. Mm, that was a doc I forgot. One. That's another good one. Yeah, similar in a lot of ways. Uh, I rewatched Boys State closer to its release this summer, and it man, that movie gave yeah. me a panic attack. We were still pre-election, <laughs> and uh, the world was exploding. It felt like everything was coming to an end. It's and like Boys State the kids reflected aren't going to so, be all right. Man, shout out to that movie. <laughs> it's, it's nope, nope. The kids aren't. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number. All right. Six. So, what is your I number won't go six? Too far into it, and honestly, this should be further down on my list, but this is where I'm going to leave it. I know, I think it's higher on yours. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. What a just a beautiful movie out of Sundance. Uh, I thought it was really yep. interesting that this year we got two movies about uh, a teenager getting pregnant and then having to travel across state lines to get an <laughs> abortion because that's what this one's about. Mm. That's what I'm pregnant is about. They could not be more tonally different, even though they're dealing with the exact same issues. I actually also really liked Unpregnant, but it's def- that one's definitely more the like fun with your friends pregnancy movie and this is the i know it sounds horrible but and then this is the it's true and this is the this is exactly how difficult it is for you to get 
care in this situation and it's like a very real fly on the wall movie where you're just following um this girl who needs an abortion and her cousin who's coming along with her and the things they have to go through in new york city staying out alone all night when they don't have money to stay anywheres and uh just the things that they have to do to get it done and the little unspoken moments like the there's like a hand touching moment there's a couple of them actually but there's one really significant Mm -hmm. one that made a lot of people being like i don't understand why they didn't talk about that it's like they didn't need to because Everything that needed to be said was in that hand touch. Uh, it's a very yep. beautiful movie, uh, super, super well made, uh, and I recommend everyone check it out. But that's all I'll say now because I'm sure it's higher on Zach's list. Could be wrong, but I, I think you're right. <laughs> Art, uh, I said my number six was Boy State, so we're on to your number five. I believe you called us a Jeff Bezos <laughs> snuff film. <laughs> yes. Sorry We Missed You by Ken Loach was recommended to me by the one Karsten Ronquist at uh, TIFF 2019. He said, dude, have you seen this movie? I was like, nah, I missed it. What's it called? He said, sorry, we missed you. (laughs) I think you'd really like it. It is out on the Criterion channel, um, which I highly recommend. One of the best services uh, out there. And a bit of a flex if your movie's like, yeah, I'm new, but I'm on Criterion already. Like. We're serious here, guys. What more do I need to do to pitch it? This is a crazy drama talking about the gig economy over in uh, the UK. And in particular, just Ken Loach hating anything to do with capitalism whatsoever. (laughs) Um, If you thought Kelly was on their neck, this man has like, he's choking him like Bart Simpson with Homer and Bart. Uh, I absolutely uh, was floored by this movie. Um, this is again another director that I'm going back and just listening to him talk for hours. He he's got this energy, and when Zach and I were talking about this last night, he's searching up his filmography and he's like 1966. <laughs> <laughs> he has been at it. Wow. He is a master at his craft. He does not give a damn. And in a world where we have filmmakers having to make these deals with really big studios and properties and even now with streaming services um there was another documentary called the dissident that played at sundance i don't know if y'all heard that director made icarus for netflix and won them their first oscar that was able to get them everybody else to come work with them because they had their oscar from icarus well the man made the dissident they told him nah (laughs) and nobody wants to take that movie so you're getting to a point where you have movies that that certain services don't want to take because of, you know, their distribution and whatnot. Uh, Ken Loach will never give a damn about that. I don't know how he gets his funding, but he finds his funding and he makes the movies exactly how he wants them to be made. Sorry Mm -hmm. We Missed You is a crazy family drama, but it's also just a... I don't know. How how would you describe it, Zach? (laughs) I mean, it's so authentic in its presentation. There's nothing performative about the way it's presented. There's not like these... Pretty, extremely pretty framed shots or these monologues with, you know, traditionally uh, big acting. Shouts to Debbie Honeywood, who plays Abby in this film, who broke my heart more than once. She has a couple moments where she's expressing her anger. And whereas in most films, that's a moment for an actor to take a deep breath and really deliver at the top of their lungs. You, sh- you get to feel how exasperated she is, how overwhelmed with emotion she is, how to express her anger is actually heartbreaking to her because she doesn't allow herself to go there in a lot of moments. It, it, this is a movie that just grabs your heart and tugs it out of your chest. You know, it's just like it, 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 <laughs> it gets to this point at the end 
where something sad is happening and you kind of think well, they need a couple scenes to resolve mm-hmm. it and instead it just ends it just leaves you on the unhappy note um not exactly a feel good watch <laughs> no. but i think it's the movie we need for talking yeah. about the gig economy and how how it is devastating a lot of low wage workers and there's been a couple like it like lapses is the sci-fi version of that nomadland is a version of that uh there's been various movies that have been like getting at this idea of how you know we're, we're just becoming rats to a bigger system where it's the robot you yeah. know like in the movie there's there's no one you could complain to because it's just whatever your marker yeah. is i've done amazon uh deliveries as well so i understand the usefulness and i understand how this helps a lot of people but there's also no checks and balances pretty much and it, it's become a crazy rat race sorry we missed you over on criterion it is an exclusive along with a uh, young Ahmed, which I would also add there to the list. Criterion's actually building up to be a really good streaming uh, service that doesn't just have classics. It's got some pretty good new ones as well. Nice. Absolutely. All right, Amanda, where are you at with number five? This is a movie that has been kind of like moving around my tops list, so I figure, you know, five's a good place for it. Black Bear. Yeah. Yeah. This was my first watch at Sundance of this year. Uh, I saw it with uh, with Caitlin actually. So like that was my first watch, and it was just like there's sometimes you see movies and they start off your your festival experience, and you're like, how are we gonna get back up to this level that I just reached of insanity? And it it's it's just basically it's hard to explain the movie. It's one of these ones that I don't really want to explain because I feel like the more Dang. blind you go into the experience, yeah. The better it is. Just know that this is probably the most like Aubrey Plaza role that's ever been written for her. That she that she acts in, and you get to see a very full spectrum of, of her character. Where mm-hmm. you know, at one point, she's just it's basically every single piece of conversation is instead of trying to disarm people the way you normally do, it's almost like you're trying to antagonize the person, and instead of just giving into those. Um, conversational politeness things that people will usually do just to make things run smooth. She just goes the opposite way to always keep whoever she's talking to on their feet. And then it descends into this crazy breakdown area where it literally, it, everybody thought she was joking in the Q&A afterwards because we were fortunate enough to get a Q&A where she said this movie like ruined my life. Like and this movie emotionally and physically kind of like destroyed me because some of the scenes were just so intense and I'm sure it was still a slight exaggeration but some of those scenes were just so intense to film and and the most intense one actually got pushed up on the schedule without her knowing because it started raining so they had to switch the schedule around and it's just one of those things that she had to give herself so into certain aspects of the role and like you can really see that on screen and then it's like it ends up making this weird like multi-level meta in a movie that's already kind of going a multi-level meta it's like it has comedic aspects it's a thriller it gets horrific at times but more just in the way that it's going to make you feel the anxiety more so than being a horror um but yeah i think it's definitely worth the watch if you're in the mood for something a little bit different uh and if you're somebody who's okay just not having a solid constructed movie yeah. that's gonna feel like it has a solid point a to c there's no real answers it's like a rorschach i would say Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, Zach, it's however you yeah. want to take. There's multiple ways you can take it, and however you want to take it is probably right. What is the black the, bear to yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, what is the black bear to you? But uh, we know yeah. the direct. Like the, we've been following the director and like his background. Mm-hmm. I know Zach can speak on it more because y- y'all are practically friends. <laughs> 
<laughs> our our parents go to the same Turkish restaurant. That's that's not friends, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Lawrence Michael Levine does these really great uh, films where he's able to get you to these really uncomfortable conversations that feel natural, right? I think mm-hmm. sometimes a fight in a movie doesn't feel like it got there organically, but the the snide little comments and the little digs that people have at one another and the ways that they will push on, different characters push on one another's boundaries in this movie is so uncomfortable and tense, but real. I, I mm-hmm. love so much about this movie. I, I definitely want to uh, give it yet another rewatch because it's so good. Yeah, I want to I purchase it. It has many layers to it. I Absolutely. Haven't compiled the list of actors and actresses, which I know is something we want to work on, probably closer to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I think she's, I think she may be in my top five. She has I been think underrated. So I think, you know, because we really like her and we enjoy her. And like you said, it's for Riley, though. Of <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, her 2020 and as a whole, you gotta get yeah, her. Her 2020 the is just the top five, yeah. Of it, I feel, always takes up a lot of what we see in her performance, but we forget that she is still a really great actress, and I think this yes. really mm-hmm. showcased it, and I know this that that's something it. that the director really saw when they worked together on Easy, was that, no, she actually does take this stuff seriously, and um, mm-hmm. I think she knocked it out of the park in this one. Absolutely. She's great in Happiest Season, but I think a lot of her performance in Happiest Season is derived from her actual real-life charisma and energy, yes. whereas... I think in Black Bear, she goes to some places that don't seem like they're part of her real life personality that surprised me as someone who was a fan of her, but doesn't always get to see her do capital A acting, right? I gotta buy this movie. We gotta make it. Let us explain. (laughs) We have to have a spoiler discussion together (laughs) on this one for sure. Have me on. Have me on. Okay. Top 15 for me. We will. We will do that. All right, uh, from one of your favorite female performances of the year to one of your favorite male performances of the year, my number five is Bad Education with Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later, so I'll save some of my thoughts. I always forget that that was 2020. I know. I'm so happy it's on his list. I didn't think it would be on his list. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's a movie that I think really does reward uh, the more you pay attention to it, the more that I've revisited it. I I just find so many layers to it. There is the surface Mm -hmm. story about this embezzlement scandal at a school in Long Island. But I think when you get at the shared culpability of the people who are in this world and the ways in which it's a comedy of politeness in a lot of ways where people don't want to say the thing they're really thinking is so (sighs) funny to me. There's a lot that I really love about this movie. So yeah, we talked about it a lot this year on this channel. We've have let us explain shout out to Corey Finley who joined us for that, Mm -hmm. but it's a great movie. I'm glad to get another chance to talk about it. Whenever you bring up bad education, maybe at number four. No, a little higher. (laughs) But I agree with you. We only do interviews with people we like. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not the, oh, we did an interview. We like the movie. No, we only say yes. Zach was telling me, yo, uh, Cobra Kai season three, we got it early. You want any interviews? I was like, Ralph Macchio, nah, I'll see you later. He won't age. I only want to talk to somebody if I really love what they did. And we did like, what, two, three interviews this year? I know y'all were able to talk to the Palm Spring boys. Um, mm-hmm. But this. And what was your top 10 doc? Um, this one was fantastic. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But yes, I agree with you. I'm so happy it's on your list, man. I didn't think it was going to make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite performances, yeah. too, with Hugh. 
Yeah, I caught it at TIFF, so I keep forgetting. I, that this you know, and I hate both of you guys. Year, so I, I keep forgetting. hate both of you guys for catching it I'm at TIFF. Because I didn't get. It's good. It would be in my top ten. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Cool. We 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 all really like Bad Education. I think that's a great movie. Again, with one of the best performances of twenty twenty. And it's so. on HBO Max. But when you all saw it at TIFF, it was still Oscar eligible until HBO picked it up. But hey, at least it's available for everyone to watch. Right. So what? Shiva what is Baby is my number? number four. A comedy made Wait. it onto the top ten list. This is out of the park. Now this comes out in March, <laughs> but when we talked about it, I think Tiff had a release for it virtually. Indie Memphis had a release mm-hmm. for it virtually. When we brought it up on Intercut mm-hmm. and we brought it up on the LME streams, we started seeing all of our followers start watching it and nothing was better than that. To talk about a movie that was at a festival that they could literally right. click the link in the description and start mm-hmm. watching it. It was playing absolutely everywhere. I saw it twice. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. playing at all of these different virtual festivals. So it's like, it's fully not out, but I loved that experience of seeing people be able to catch it because you weren't able to, you weren't going to get a Nomad Land link. It was very hard to get one night in Miami, but there were so many Shiva Baby links. It would should have premiered at South by, um, didn't get the chance to, but it will be out for everyone next March, bro. It is in my top five. Absolutely adored okay. this movie. This wow. is a comedy on the I, next level. I loved yeah. this movie. I loved it. I didn't think it counted. I yeah, thought it so, was way in. I thought it was would you so have far it? into 2021 that it didn't count, so I didn't put it in my top ten. This easily would have been in my top ten. I know. I go up to March. What would it be? Yeah, like I, I also I didn't we have January. it counting to my 2020 list. But look, are you make a I good gotta, point? Like this is a unique yeah. year in which a movie that's mm-hmm. on the festival circuit actually is available for a lot of audiences. Go check Letterboxd. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's more accessible than ever, even if it isn't necessarily like a full theatrical release. So I don't know, you're bending the rules a little bit, but I'm not not going to complain. If it were to come out March 16th, then I do not count it. Amanda, we haven't had a chance to talk with you about Shiva Baby yet. What did did you think about it? Oh, I loved it. I really didn't fully know what to expect going into it. It had originally been on one Mm -hmm. of my uh, festival lists, but it took me a while to actually get the chance to watch it sadly just because i'm in canada there were some weird restrictions with some of the links so it took a while to actually get it uh but it was so good like i knew it was something that was on my radar for south by but then it got canceled so that Mm -hmm. just didn't end up happening but oh my god like what a it's one of those movies that if like literally 10 years ago wouldn't have been able to watch it i couldn't handle that kind of like anxiety but yeah now especially where i have the ability to just shut it off and i'm not in a theater watching it but like oh my god and like it all comes down to that again a handhold at the end that just <laughs> brought it together for me i was like oh my god it's beautiful but oh my also who just dis- disrespects diana agron like that no spoilers but i just need to know but Bruh. yeah holy Ugh. it's happiest season to the next level so if you liked Happiest Season in 2020, <laughs> like get ready for this movie in 2021. Except the cat's already out of the bag, but it's exactly. just one of these things that it's not like it's not discussed. Oh. It's just like no funny business. It's great, man. The <laughs> like, performance is just all around. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the rewatchability is fantastic I, in this movie. It felt real too. It felt very real. Like the 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 way the characters acted. It, like I find Absolutely. a lot of times. It feels theatrical, and I'm okay with coming-of-age stories where the characters seem like way cooler than teenagers could ever actually be. I'm like, this is fine. I like this. This felt very real with the conversations of like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, well, you know, it's like we're just lining up some interviews, and it's just like the conversations so many of us have had with family members when it's like, what are you doing with your life? And it's like... (laughs) Are you dating anybody? Exactly. It's all those questions, and it's just, oh, it was so... It felt real, but in a good way. 
I think one of the marks of a really good filmmaker is when even those characters who show up for maybe 30 seconds and have one line of dialogue feel like a fully realized person, right? Yes. And every single character feels like somebody you might run into at one of these family gatherings. I mean, maybe not everybody, but at least me with a very Jewish family, I, I <laughs> have run into these types of people at many family gatherings. So, uh, I, yeah, it, it's a, a world that is very anxiety-filled, uh, mm -hmm. but feels so authentic and is so funny. Uh, I. Shiva Baby's great. I'm sure we're going to talk about it more on Intercut as we get closer to its actual theatrical release, sure. Arturo. <laughs> That's so good. I've, I've never been more offended when somebody just pulls out a name for a movie like that. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Shiva Baby, how you do? Because uh, was, I was even going to ask about that when I was like, no, like people are still harassing me on Letterboxd about how I watched it. Like there's no way it's anywhere soon. And Either way, eh. I'm glad we talked about it. it. I thought that was yeah. going to be one of my, like, keep an eye out for this movie. But yeah, so <laughs> keep an eye out for this movie. Definitely. Right, so now it's uh, my number four, mm -hmm. I, think. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is probably going to be higher on at least one of your lists, maybe. Um, Minari. Minari. Yeah, yeah. Just, We're going to talk about that more, so. I would assume, yeah, so I won't go into too many details, but just really beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, very confused as to where it's being classified in certain awards shows Ugh. because it is a very, very American story about the American dream uh, and the in the immigrant family. Um, but yeah, really, really beautiful. But I'll save the rest for when we talk about it more. Fair. Very cool. Uh, my number four is a movie that I'm also expecting to show up maybe on some of your lists is Promising Young Woman going to be talked about later in this podcast? I left it off or, just because we did the entire thing. It would have been, it was, that's one of those ones that's circling right. my top 15. It's it's in my top 20. All right. So I Talk guess about it. it's up to me. I really oh, no. dug Promising Young Woman. I, I love the dark world created by Emerald Fennel here. The way she's able to evoke this common uh, idea but turn it into this suspenseful interaction is, is so interesting here and I love reworking the idea of a revenge movie to be about uh, a sexual assault a moment in the past I, I think it talks about these issues in a way that's so interesting and dynamic and I think it does actually give credence to the real trauma that a lot of these things are create uh but it's done in such a f entertaining package carrie mulligan is so electric here in the role of cassie the cast is stacked with really great performances mm -hmm. a lot from comedic actors that i like bo burnham is so good in this movie i, I just good. was both entertained and intellectually stimulated it hasn't really left my thoughts since i got to watch it somewhat recently i i really dug promising young woman i think it's going to be the one of the movies that we think about a lot looking back at 2020 i agree with you this is why i, I to me a top 10 i'll do the top 10 but to me every year's mm -hmm. got a top 30 there is more than 10 movies every year that are going to stick yeah. with you this is going to stick with me yeah. for sure just you know Same. these are the 10 that i love the most but that's still a top 20 for me the rewatchability on that um, and I'm just interested for it to still get released because that's still one that the general public hasn't been able to weigh in on a discourse that has changed so much since Sundance. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Because it, it did release in theaters five days in ago theaters, on yeah. Christmas Day. So, so, like, yeah, so I could watch it here again now if I wanted to. Um, but I, I am, I'm already seeing different discourse. Like somebody uh, that I watch a lot on, on YouTube ended up getting like a screener for it and, and she loved it. And she didn't really know that there was kind Good. of like these mixed ideas of discourse going on in the background. So I am really hoping that we get these kind of like yeah. genuine watches that 
I know some people, um, just kind of talking to a couple of people, thought that the movie was kind of going to be something else. Sometimes when you go into these, um, something that you think is a revenge movie, you're kind of hoping for a certain outcome. But like, this isn't something, this isn't supposed to be like an empowerment movie necessarily. Like it has moments where she has, she has a lot of power over the situation, but you're supposed, supposed to really kind of like walk away from it being like, she's kind of destroying her life on this path. This isn't something that you're supposed to be idealizing. This isn't something right. that you're supposed to be like, this is so badass. It's supposed to be kind of horrifying how far she's willing to go to, yeah. to do these things and how much she's willing to sacrifice. So I think if you go into it with that expectation, doesn't mean you're going to like it. But it does mean it does mean you're not going to be painting it with a brush that's just not the right brush, you know? Yeah, I definitely Good think point. she's more anti-hero than hero here. Mm -hmm. Shout out, yeah. Fennel. She There's killed it, bro. Scenes. She is great. So good. So good. Yeah. Definitely one to watch for whenever she makes another movie. Mm -hmm. All right, Art, I think we are at your top three. My top three. Now, if I was part of the L.A. circle, I would consider this whole thing one movie with small acts. But I will be honest, I loved Lover's Rock. I loved Mangrove. Those would probably be, again, collectively in my top 50 movies that I would keep. Um, education, I'd say, gets even more into the top 25. But if the Love one, that, if I could only pick one to fit in here, it is red, white, and blue as my number three. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the whole thing as a collective, I think everything that Steve McQueen did here is beautiful. Steve McQueen, five movies in one year, Zach. In the comfort of your own home. Steve McQueen, five movies in five the movies comfort in five of your weeks. own home. Yeah. Um, I, they're movies. He said so. They played at film festivals. Count them all as one, I guess. Count them all as separate. Uh, but Red, White, and Blue, I think, is John Boyega's greatest performance. Uh, this is a movie that covers so much from the perspective of him trying to or thinking that he's going to make a difference by joining the force, whereas his father is doing the complete opposite in trying to get at the force for a wrong that was done to him, and he just wants to see his day in court, his justice. I don't understand how he packed so much into just an hour ten. Um, I've seen it three times. I'm sure education will get on higher the more that I rewatch that one as well, but this one very mm -hmm. comfortably is sitting here as uh, one of the most powerful powerhouse performances and some of the best directing that this man has done uh and they all complement each other because that's the whole point of small acts if you're the big tree mm -hmm. we're the small acts and collectively mm -hmm. it's some of the most beautiful work that he's done uh, i love steve mcqueen <laughs> i love him so much top so three good. red white and blue yeah yeah amanda i know you got to catch up with this one recently I did, yeah. I finished watching it like just before we started, so I didn't have a, a lot of time to really oh, think nice. about how I would evaluate it in like the grand scheme of things. But uh, yeah, it was so. It is mm -hmm. just one of those. So many of these stories that they just stay with you when when they're done. Um, I, I still have two more from the series to catch up with, but uh, oh, okay. like I loved this. Yeah. I loved Education, so I haven't caught Mangrove, oh, so and good. I saw Lovers Rock. What's the uh, other Alex one? Weedle. Yeah, Alex Weedle. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. that one. I'm curious to see which one's your favorite. Uh, I think education as of right now is probably my top, but uh, red, white, and blue is like oh, they're yeah. neck and neck. Like it's neck and neck, those two performances. Um, I was just, I'm just really taken by the, just the different levels of stories that he's going through and that he's, he's, he's just sharing with the world. Uh, and again, like Art said, five movies, five weeks in a pandemic. Like how the mm -hmm. hell? Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. 
He's the best. Uh, you mentioned how Red, White, and Blue feels like a movie that really sticks with you, and I think a lot of that is from that ending, which is a little bit unresolved, but I think in the best way, where it leaves you kind of with the idea that this is a tough situation and there isn't an easy answer. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the best way you could end a movie with as much internal conflict as a film I'm looking like at the endings of all the movies on our list. That's something we really <laughs> liked this year, didn't we? Endings that don't yeah. really have a positive yeah. outcome. You mean in a year where we all felt in limbo and not sure about our future, we liked movies that had unde- undetermined endings? It's crazy, You'd man. You'd think it'd be the opposite. Weird. You'd think that we'd like the finality somewhere. <laughs> you know? But I don't know, there's something to it. It's like Zach said earlier in the year where we all felt the need to watch Contagion for comfort. What were we thinking? I don't know. (laughs) But I I think there's something in these endings still that uh, it leaves us to ponder them and to think about them. And I think that makes them more effective than it tying it up in a bow. Because then it would throw away everything the movie was setting up. Yo, we're in our top three. What you guys got? Amanda. Mine's going to be uh, a Karsten Runquist might be the only person who agrees with me. I got Kajillionaire at number three. Bro, I thought you were going to say Long yes. Toast is my favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I love Kajillionaire. I just I, I recently great. rewatched it again, and it actually pushed it up more on my list. Nice. I actually enjoyed it more. I'm so glad. Rewatching it. Because sometimes you rewatch things, and you're like, it doesn't have the same impact as it did the first time. But you notice more of the little subtle things that they're going for in the storytelling when you watch it the second time. And the little ways, That's like cool. when you know where the story's going, the little mannerisms and how things are, how things should be taken and like have somebody who can be treated as an adult their entire life still ends up so stunted because they weren't given that proper childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie. It stars uh, Evan Rachel Wood uh, and Gina Rodriguez. And I can't, I would, God, now I feel bad. Richard Jenkins. Thank you, Richard Jenkins. Can't remember the mom's name. I'm so sorry, ma'am. But it's really all, for me, it's all about uh, Evan Rachel Wood and... Gina Rodriguez, uh, and it, yeah, they're basically, it's like a con family, and they're, their whole life, they've just been splitting things three ways, which is not how you have a family, you know, parents are providers, not three-way splitters, you know, but that's how they've been, they've just, they're fine skimming off the top, they're, they don't trust society, they don't trust 401ks and retirement <laughs> stuff, so even though they could make more working less, they're happy just to basically spend all of their time trying to scam their way around situations. And then they end up in a situation where they come across Gina really, Rodriguez's character. That's so interesting. Starts, yeah, interacting her way in. And then, you know, Evan Rachel Wood's character is like, why can't you treat me that way? And it's just it's so heartbreaking in so many ways. But then it, again, mm-hmm. it's one of those ones that it's like little little moments, little handholds, little looks, little little interactions that really just bring it together. And it's uh, it was really beautiful, and it definitely held up for me on repeat viewing, and I'm excited to see it again. I really loved it by uh, Miranda, July. Miranda mm-hmm. July. Deborah Winger, by the way, yep. is the actress. Yeah. Um, De- thank yeah, Miranda, you. Miranda July. I need to go back and watch more of her movies. What would you What would you guys consider this? Like, what, what genre? I mean, that it is strong? kind of a comedy, but it is That's such interesting. A, like a... That's interesting. It's such a indie it has a lot of comedy folksy yeah. comedy when y'all say comedy yeah. when y'all say drama i agree i had it under like a heist thriller <laughs> that's what it was to me well yeah it starts with a barrel roll so right because like, it, it's, it's like just little thing it's it's quirky it's yeah fun. i think indie comedy charm yeah but it's yeah, like heist has the right feel too they're con artists but it's not just the con isn't just the stuff they're trying to get it's also a con within the family and like I remember yeah. we all, I think we all got to catch it together at Sundance and we left like, whoa, that was really inter- 
in the midst of hearing all these people complain about it, Kajillionaire, right. that would look like it was worth $3, not Kajillionaire. I was like, <laughs> what? I saw it alone, actually. Oh, you didn't see it with us? I, I, I wasn't with you guys. You dropped me off, and it was like a weird morning where like everybody was running late, and you were like, don't worry, Amanda, we'll get you to your movie on time. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad and we got, I'm glad we got you to it. But, um, yeah, you got me to my yeah. movie. No, it was a really meaningful thing overall because Evan Rachel Wood touched my shoulder, so it was like a whole experience <laughs> for me. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I really like a journey. Shouts out to Carson, who we've mentioned a few times. He's basically the fourth guest on this podcast. But uh, I, we were talking to him about this movie, and I, I described it as like a, almost like too beautiful for this world. There's just this precious yeah. quality to these characters and the ty- kind of story it's trying to tell that like it makes me want to protect it. It's a little – it's I don't know. I, I really dug the kind of story of nature versus nurture that uh, Miranda July is crafting that. here. It, it's mm-hmm. – really beautifully told i liked it a lot uh so i'm glad that you put it on your list it was maybe going to be one of my uh little gems that i don't want to forget about for sure picks, so i'm glad that you brought it up on the bigger top 10 list yo our cool. boy gave it five stars <laughs> you think he liked it yeah, that's why i said i think yeah i think he liked it that's why i knew he'd agree with me <laughs> all right so my number three is the movie that probably brought me the most joy out of any movie this year. I've rewatched it several times. It's something that I think will be a staple of lazy afternoons where I need something pleasurable on. It's Palm Springs, the Andy Samberg, Kristen Milotti film from Max Barbacow, Andy Sierra, previous guests of the Intercut podcast, Max Barbacow and Andy Sierra. Look, this is just a really well-crafted comedy with an interesting premise. I I love all the ingenuity in approaching the Groundhog Day idea, but expanding it because you have these two people who go into the time loop together and the way that the movie goes through different phases where it's kind of like goes through the depression and and (laughs) denial of the situation and then the eventual acceptance and exploring like how would you actually deal with this situation? I, I think it just kept giving you interesting moments throughout. Plus it's got a great cast. I think one of the things about these movies is that often it's so dependent on the lead male uh, to to carry the movie, but you have Kristen Milotti, who is just giving the best performance, comedic performance of the year in this movie. Uh, it, it is the movie feels like it's missing something whenever she leaves screen. She's so yeah, good. I, agree. I I just loved every second of this movie. There's so many dumb little jokes that I find myself <laughs> thinking. Even a line that like doesn't even come across as a, a joke. Like he glues teeth is just <laughs> stuck in my brain. Yeah. Uh, so I true. I love I love Palm Springs. I love this movie. I think comedies sometimes are not given the full credit for how hard true. they are to craft. True. How hard mm-hmm. it is to just keep the jokes coming and keep it feeling fresh. And and this was the standout comedy to me in 2020 in a year that actually had several good comedies. I agree. I would totally agree. Uh, I, I did really like it. it. It didn't quite make my top 10, but that's one of those ones that would have been swirling near the top. And, and I do, I, I totally agree. And I, I also classify it as one of those give a shit movies. It's, it's one of mm-hmm. those ones that were the post-adolescent coming of age where you're just kind of trying to figure things out and realizing that, hey, it's not all useless. So I'm a big, <laughs> big fan of that one too. I think this one will awesome. grow on me because it's the Lonely Island Boys. Just a couple of years yeah. ago, mm-hmm. they also had another Sundance pick. That is one of my favorite of all time. 
Brigsby Bear. Right. So it's like, yep. I can see myself rewatching this one and, and uh, liking it more and more. I love Christian Milioti, but uh, like Zach said, like we said, we don't do interviews with somebody unless we really like them. So Zach, <laughs> I, I shouldn't even be surprised. He was on board yeah. to have them on. Uh, <laughs> and they have a great, let us explain up. So yeah, check this one. It's on Hulu, right? Yeah, on Hulu. Yeah. So easy to rewatch and, this uh, one. And in Canada, Amazon Prime. Oh, oh cool. Good okay. to know. Yeah. <laughs> Art, I think we've arrived at your number two. Well, let's talk about bad education. Um, awesome. <laughs> I think this is one of the best male lead performances of the year. I, and I think we have a stacked male performance, uh, you know, from yeah. Lindo to Hopkins to Bozeman to Riz. I would have added Hugh in there, but hey, he uh, he got the Emmy nomination at least. Um, but... I absolutely adored this movie because every time I watch it, I'm capturing something new as someone who worked at a school and had a mom who worked mm-hmm. within the school district as well. Yeah, <laughs> this is a this is good, fellas, but it's happening in a school. <laughs> watch it. The writer went to the school in which this real life case happened. Yeah. Um, right. We have we have a whole interview. We have a whole LME. It was one of my favorite LMEs. It, those are one of those videos where even if it doesn't end up like blowing up, it's like I don't, I'm I'm talking about a movie I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best of the year, and I really wish it would have been in contention for Oscars. And now that we enter the streaming service, I think we're going to look back once rules change, maybe in the future, and we're going to go like, damn, how many movies were considered Emmy TV movies instead of actually getting um, the recognition they could have gotten? At a bigger platform. Yeah, it, it's one of those frustrating things when people try to delineate like this is t- cinema, this is TV. This is the like, number two. Doesn't movie matter. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a great movie, and it doesn't matter that it was on a streaming service uh, or, or on HBO, the channel. That's not no y'all it's ridiculous. Still just, <laughs> it's just a great movie, and I, yeah. I think uh, you know the fact that it was one of the standouts from TIFF also speaks to that. Allison, yeah, we like this movie a lot. We, we've yeah, talked about this movie a lot. There's plenty of content, content to go oh. watch to see us talk about it Bad more. Bad Education, number two. All right. My number two, another top male lead performance. I'm going with Sound of Metal. Ooh. This is just one of those ones that I haven't been able to get out of my head since I watched it. And I'm so glad I took the time to. I'm still bummed I, I didn't get to see it in, in a theatrical. Oh, tip at an IMAX. I know I didn't know that, but I'm just I'm always like super drawn to these uh, anything with music. I really like a lot of stuff that deals with kind of like that, uh, you know, counterculture or whatever, like punk, metal, hardcore, whatever that kind of stuff. And it's just um, it's just this like really beautiful story, but it, it, it subverts expectations in so many ways. Like it sets stuff up to to make you think like, oh, it's gonna just go down this direction. He's gonna do this. They're gonna do that. But it never ends up happening. But then in a way, it kind of does. Mm-hmm. Um, just not to, to spoil it, but it's just, you know, you, it's, um, I don't even know if that would spoil it, but it's, it's basically about a, a metal drummer who ends up losing his hearing and uh, mm-hmm. has to go through trying to, you know, learning to, to be someone who, who is deaf uh, and has, you know, learned the sign language and everything. And then um, trying to reconcile with that before kind of getting obsessed with the idea of trying to regain his hearing in some way uh and Mm -hmm. it never quite reaching that level 
but the way that he's behaving he wasn't he was an addict and then kind of gets over it but in you're like he you never it kind of really subverts expectations of when you have addicts or ex-addicts in movies but then in a way it's kind of like he's still behaving like an addict in different ways but it's just a really really powerful performance and uh just one of those ones that again if it doesn't necessarily have like the cleanest resolution but it, it does as long as eh. you know what it's going for and it's just this beautiful it's kind of honestly it's another one of those like soul moments i actually saw the letterboxd account compare it where like he's looking up at the sun and just he's outside on a beautiful day and he just kind of has like this moment um where it just kind of shifts for him and then that kind of like sets off the movie to end it off uh, i thought it was really beautiful i think it's definitely worth your time and it's on amazon if you're in yep. canada or no sorry in america and have or have a vpn anywhere else <laughs> amanda's sound got a little bit wonky during the middle of that so it was oh. a very experiential <laughs> review of sound of metal it made Good. me feel like i, I was also too. losing I my water kind of like it did in the scene yeah because it's yeah it's fine on my end so they didn't hear it but yeah you, yeah no i thought it was a. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really beautiful movie, and it's just stuck with me since I watched it. We have a whole video. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. We have a whole video talking about the merits mm -hmm. of this movie, and I think it's a great example of one of those movies that introduces you to a culture that's not necessarily uh, depicted that often in mainstream mm -hmm. ways. And I, I think just the way in which you, like Riz Ahmed's character, get brought into this community yes. is so uh, so riveting and revealing. And I, I, yeah, it's a remarkable movie. Yeah, the sound uh, design, just, that's another thing I can't mention enough. Yeah, the mm. sound design is great. And shout out Derek, uh, or was it Darius Martyr? He was going to mm. make something with Derek Cianfrance with this, which is a little bit what we talked about. So it's it's got that meat and bones that uh, that I always look forward to. And Olivia Cook did great in it. Yeah. And Paul Risi, who I think may get a may get a uh, supporting nom. They've been really pushing him throughout the critic circles. Yeah. My number two is... A movie that Amanda already mentioned. It was my number one when we did this back in July. It's never, rarely, sometimes, always. The Eliza uh, yeah. Hitman vehicle about a pair of teenagers who are crossing state lines in, in search of somewhere where they can get an abortion. Uh, I think it's a really remarkable film. Uh, we've talked about the restraint that Eliza Hitman has in telling the story and the, the really lived-in feel of it because it is so... Uh, it feels like you're almost in a documentary the way that the camera just hangs on these uh, people from a distance in many times and how it gives you the chaotic feeling of being stuck in a city where you don't know really where you are or where to go. I, I think it's so smart in the way that this movie is able to tell you a lot without explicitly saying any of it out loud, particularly through the never, rarely, sometimes, always scene that we've talked about a lot on this podcast because mm -hmm. it... it it gives you a really full picture of this character's life without really showing you much of her life. And it's remarkable filmmaking in that way, I think, uh, serves to humanize an issue that's often argued about in non-humanist ways. So I encourage anybody to check out this movie. I think it's remarkable and one of the standouts from this year. You know, it's stuck with me since I first saw it at Sundance and I can't put this movie down. It's beautifully done shout out eliza hitman mm -hmm. shout out sydney yep. flanagan shout out eliza oh hitman God. come on intercut pod you've liked a couple of our instagram posts i want you to come on the podcast <laughs> if she's yeah, listening everybody like everybody in that movie they, they killed it, it. Uh, so good talia Ryder, who played the cousin uh, uh y'all talked about yeah. that sequence between the two of them um and it was funny that you mentioned uh unpregnant 
They're both on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> They're both on HBO Max. I know. So you have your option to catch both. Oh, that's great. It's great. It's a fantastic movie. I loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for our favorite movies of 2020. Art, you got to kick us off. What is the best film? The best film. From this year. The best American film. The best U.S. dramatic winning from the audience to the jury is Bad Boys for Life. Uh, the newest inst- <laughs> Minari yes. stuck mm. with me so much so that that and Boy State were at the number one spot coming out of it. As I always Let's say, go. you know, as you rewatch stuff, mm-hmm. I-, I saw the trailer and that was enough. I was just rewatching the trailer with my mom and that was enough. This movie is everything and then some. Mm-hmm. It's not out yet, so I don't know what more to say other than it's my number one movie of the year. Everyone has been hyping it up through all of the festivals. People are arguing it for, people are arguing for it because of the Globe stuff. They haven't even seen it yet. Um, right. It lives up to the hype is now. It, it used to be like, oh, we got to hype this up, right? I had a little video on LME as a review for it. No one knows about it. It's getting hyped up. It's getting hyped up. Now it's just telling you, believe the hype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It hits on all the cylinders. It's got comedy in it. It's got drama in it. It's a relationship movie. It's a family movie. It is an uh, immigrant story. It's an American story. Mm-hmm. What's it missing, Zach? What more do you need in a film? I don't know. I was craving Mountain Dew after Art- it. <laughs> <laughs> Art, I think we should host a podcast together. I got Minari at number one as well. I loved this movie back at Sundance, and it hasn't left that top spot for me. And I agree with you. It's a little bit hard to even talk about some of the pleasures of this movie because it is in some ways very ordinary. It's the story of this Korean-American family who have bought a farm in Oklahoma hoping that this is going to give them the slice of the American dream that they desire. And it's a little bit about getting uh, getting used to new surroundings, but it's also just a little bit about like the small pleasures of life and the small moments that are very relatable in growing up. I I think this movie is so, so tenderhearted and earnest in its depiction of childhood that it just won me over. And, And, you know, it all builds to this moment where, where there's a little bit of chaos towards the end of the movie, but I was in tears both times that I saw it. it. It's just such a beautiful film, such a well articulated story. And I think sometimes when a movie is that good, you can't really define what is magical about it. it, it there is just a certain magic to uh, what is it? Lee Isaac Chung's mm-hmm. movie here. I, I, I was so, so happy uh, at, at the end of Minari to have seen it. I am very eager for more people to get the chance to see it as it expands. It, it is one of these movies that is in this weird like 2020, 2021 limbo, but because it did get like a bit of a theatrical release, virtual theatrical release, I, I think I feel it's fair to cover it here because it's the movie we've been hyping up since January. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it on Intercut, but mm-hmm. for 12, 12 months now about how amazing this film is. It's going to be in the 2020 festival circuit it's So good for the 2020 festival circuit. So, yeah, easily. Steven Yoon knocked it out of the park. He is doing a... This isn't even his first time doing a bilingual performance, bro. Bilingual (laughs) performance. Kind of like the half of it. Another movie that I really enjoyed that's on Netflix that uh, showcased... this duality of a character, not only from a religious standpoint, but also from their own, you know, introspective standpoint and, and uh, their own identity. This movie doesn't judge all the religious aspects of it. It is so rare to see a movie 
that is more lived in and is trying to understand all of the characters and the people who are here instead of judging them, instead of treating them like pawn pieces or something else. Because you get a lot of movies that feel like that. This is why I th- did I give this five stars, man? I really do think this is five stars. Like, <laughs> ah, it, it is one of the best of the year. It's beautiful. best of the decade. Yeah, we're starting the decade, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk yeah. about it right now. It's uh, this will be at the end of the decade. This will be at the end of the decade. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we we definitely are hoping that this is going to go a long way in terms of award season because it this, should. It's, it's deserved. It deserves it. it. Should. Yeah. And that's why it really bothers me that the Globes is literally ignoring just because of a language thing. They're ignoring. It's an American-made movie. You can't just mm-hmm. decide that it's that it's not, which is weird yeah. to me. Yeah. I guess that it's a foreign language distinction. It was frustrating when they did that for me. The Farewell, and it's doubly yes. frustrating for doing it for Minari since that film takes Absolutely. place entirely in America. In, yeah. in America. Like a Farewell, it's like, well, it's mostly in China, but still not the right place for it. But Minari is so American. It's so American. Uh, but that brings it down to me and my number one in yes. which I cheat and pick Portrait of a Lady on Fire again Man, because it only give released me stuff right Shiva, in 2020. <laughs> it's, it only released in 2020. That's hey, the I only agree. way people could actually watch it. So it's my it's my number one. That's fair. Yes. Uh, on a technicality, you get to pick Portrait of a Lady I on Fire I told y'all, here. let them yeah. technicalities pass. Let's just talk about the stuff we yeah. yeah. love. I don't care. Yeah. Like, Talk yeah, about it. Like normally I want to try to like highlight things that, you know, I haven't talked about in detail, which is why I bumped a couple of other mm-hmm. things off this list because I've talked about them so many other times at this point. But Portrait is just something that has stayed with me since I saw it. I saw it at TIFF because of a mistake, actually. For some reason, I hadn't looked into it. And I just know that you and Alina mentioned you were seeing it that day. Mm-hmm. And it was right after I rewatched Honey Boy at TIFF and it was playing in the same auditorium. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just swing back and Where meet up with them. And then I'm like waiting in line and I'm like, at the Bell Lightbox, man, the perfect auditory oh, experience the, it's for the best something audio like there. Portrait. Oh, it's so good. It's just so, uh, it was beautiful. And I'm just sitting there alone because you was like, no, we have tickets for it later. And I was seeing a press showing. I'm like, oh, no, that's totally fine. I don't mind because I had nothing scheduled at that time. And it was so beautiful. It was my first, one of the first day watches. It stayed with me ever since. I got the Criterion Blu-ray. Same. They release it in an, like in a 4K way. I'm going to get it in 4K. Like, it's so beautiful. It was, it's just, uh, I've talked about it so much. But if you haven't seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet, I absolutely urge you to do so uh just absolutely stunning and i'm still upset that france doesn't seem to understand it and that's the main reason why i think it's worth talking about because again i we've been saying this and now we're in it with these streaming services Mm -hmm. you know now that neon put it on hulu that was a whole other you know if you didn't have an art house theater near you do you really think everyone's playing it no so it is available in america you know when it was released yeah. in theaters, but it still wasn't really available to everybody. And I think to a lot of people, it's split between 2019, yeah. 2020. It is a movie that deserves mentions all the time. Because, yeah, uh, yeah France didn't submit it. They submitted uh, Les Miserables, which I, I really do enjoy. But um, to think it didn't get any Oscar recognition, but it was early 2020 where they made their their stamp. Even walking out at that one mm-hmm. award show, like, this is a movie that's going to last I for a long time. I love that. Oh, love it. So, yeah, I cheated. That's my number one. <laughs> all good here all welcome here (laughs) yeah so looking back at the movies that we took in our best movies of 2020 so far list art you only kept two of your choices i only kept two of my choices amanda you only kept never rarely sometimes always from that list so despite Mm -hmm. the weird year that 2020 was we got 
we had 10 movies we loved back then and 10 more that we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of choices. And I think we had less overlap than I was expecting on our lists, too. So to be fair, I went out of my way to avoid some, but still. Yeah, I mean, I think we still were able to talk about plenty of really interesting movies that came out in, in this strange year. So, you know, lots of stuff to check out. Hopefully we've given you a lot of recommendations that uh, you'll keep on your radar because these were all movies that brought, brought us a great deal of pleasure in this year. Very good. And we're always curious to hear your yeah. thoughts. So if you have any movies that we yeah. may have missed, other ones that, uh, hey, Please maybe the do. release, we got a lot of recommendations where people were telling us, yo, I caught this, watch it. I'm like, there's no trailer for this yet. I, I literally cannot watch this. Uh, so those will be 2021 <laughs> movies. But if they were a 2020 for you, I love seeing that because then that gets me hyped up for uh, what to see uh, in this upcoming year. And then vice versa. Some movies we may have gotten in 2019. I know some people barely got for this year. Um, but the more that we got this accessibility, mm-hmm. maybe one day, I don't know, maybe they'll create an internet worldwide web where everyone can watch something at the same time and then find yeah. a way to kind of ruin that. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. it's just always a joy to talk about movies with you guys. Yeah, same. Uh, definitely let us know if you have a top 10 list. You can leave it in the comments down below. We'd love to see how your li- lists overlap with ours and where they may be different. You can also shoot us an email, intercutpod at gmail.com, and let us know what movies you loved from 2020. But that's about all for this installment of Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in Vast of Night, I-C-H. And... Um, Amanda, where can people find more from you? You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, any of the above and probably some other places at Amanda the Jedi. Arturo? You can find me at LME, that's E as in Minari, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Letterboxd, and every week here on the Intrica Podcast. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Monday. Please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from art from amanda from me from all the guests that we feature here on intercut thanks again for tuning in and until next time grandma smells like korea (laughs) 